What's up, everyone? It is Wednesday, April 28th, and you're tuned in Two and a Half Hoopers, Tony Douglas's favorite basketball podcast. I'm George Martin, and with me I have George Martin. Hey, guys. No George today. I'm Jacob. That's Josh. Um, George missing his second pod in a row after being the Iron Man for the podcast. Not, not good. Also, I wanted George here to, when I did it, but I want to give a round of applause to you, Josh, to complete the solo mission. Uh, yes, oh. uh, <laughs> last podcast. The weekend recap, because me and George were out of commission. Um fighting the good fight but um yeah i really appreciated that but that was a good episode we got a good one here uh recap last day's a ball um not george's halftime uh, an hour halftime because george uh, even though missing the podcast couldn't do us the give us the, the couldn't do the tried. duty of just he giving tried. us stuff to talk about he, tried. he, <laughs> he tried. really did um and then ended off we're gonna do a little bit of a hoop doctor segment but a more broad one we're gonna figure out what because some teams are fighting for playing spots, some teams have locked in playoff spots. Some teams are not going to make the playoffs, and we're going to try and see what they can do to kind of get back on track next year. Uh, remember, if y'all like here, what you're on, uh, if y'all like what you hear, make sure to follow our socials all at th hoopers and send Twitter. Uh, drop a comment, we'll give you a shout out for giving support. Uh, Danny also, Stip, drop Danny Stip dropping a comment last episode thanking him for the shout out. So I'm giving him another shout out here. So I don't know if uh-huh. it'll be like uh, if it'll keep happening or I don't know. But shout out Danny Stiff. <laughs> if you uh, look uh, really quickly at the top right, you'll see the J Sports. Oh, it's J Sports. <laughs> uh, but that does remind me, Josh did have a question. The J Sports did have a question um, that we talked about yesterday. Uh, it was on the the post, the last post we did. It, which is more likely, the Jazz making the finals or the Nets out before the conference finals? So I feel like we should answer that one. Um, uh, j- jazz making the finals is I, what I think is more likely. Um, and I know he's not going to like that. I know George won't like that. I know you're you're not as hateful towards the Jazz as they are, but I don't think you'll like that. H- how do you think about that? Um. It's very difficult because seeing the Nets out before the conference finals is like a, in, like in my head, just like an impossible thing. Especially if you look at where they're seated right now, they play the winner of the Knicks Hawks, and that's a very, it's oh, a very man. hard series, a very hard series. They to did lose. snag the first seed, didn't they? Uh, as of right now, yeah. And of course, okay. things can change, but I think, in my opinion, I might agree with you just because both are so small. Like, but I. I think the Nets getting out before the conference finals is like almost impossible. It can happen. Both can happen. Both are extremely unlikely, but I think I'd take your side on that one. So, so you think it's more likely Jazz make the finals? Unfortunately. Um. Yeah, I mean, Brooklyn now has – they're kind of strengthening this grip on the first. They're a game and a half ahead of, of the Sixers, and they're doing this without Harden. And we'll get to Harden later, but – I mean, I, I don't have time to look at the schedules and everything, but yeah, getting that first seed is pretty important in the East because we know it's a three-man race, and I think only teams that are even going to come close to knocking out Brooklyn is Philly and Milwaukee. Although I want them to keep that first seed because they may get battled in New York in the second round. So I'd, I'd, that would that, be, cool. be a lot a lot of fun. I don't know if Nowakowski, uh, J-Sports, J um, made that po- that question up, but good question. And yeah, if you're, if you're watching here, first two minutes of the podcast, we have J-Sports logo in the top right. We're kind of like the Clippers and he's the Lakers. We're playing in his building kind of thing. He lets us use our account because streamer is a lot better than Zoom. Uh, so another shout out to Jay Sports. We give about six of those a podcast, but he deserves them all. Um, all right. Time for the recap. Uh, Monday, April 26th. Pistons uh, beat the Hawks 186. Lakers beat the Magic 114-103 to snap a three-game losing streak. Thank God for Georgia Sanity. Uh, Sixers beat the Thunder 121-90. Uh, Pelicans beat the Clippers 120-103. And Kings beat the Mavs 113-106. Uh, now we're going to kind of get into the, the kind of good games here. So uh, on Sunday, the Suns and Knicks matched up, and the Knicks' eight-game losing streak was broken, unfortunately. Uh, Devin Booker paced Suns with 33-point effort and also included four rebounds and three assists. While Chris Paul... Looking like he's kind of in his prime right now. Uh, Twenty points, six assists, five boards, and really took over there in the clutch. Um, what I don't know what you saw from this one. Uh, D Rose led them in led them in scoring with uh, twenty two off the bench. Randall six for seventeen, Barrett seven for eighteen. So young guys kind of struggled, but they put up a good fight against a very good Suns team. Uh, takeaways from this one. Uh, kind of a interesting game, uh, or not really interesting. Uh, there's a lot of trends. 
the Knicks start off kind of strong and they kind of rally off of Julius Randle who, and RJ Barrett who kind of find their shot toward the end of the game. That really didn't happen as much. Uh, Phoenix, there's a lot of concern uh, with how they start games because it looks like they seemingly give up if they're behind by a lot. But the reason they were able to claw back into this one because they were down a good amount was the waste of Alfred Payton minutes. Uh, the guy <laughs> plays 14, 15 a game. Derrick Rose came in and continued to extend the lead. And every time Derrick Rose came out and Alfred Payton came in, yeah, the game, Phoenix easily came back in the game. The Knicks had a shot, but Chris Paul made literally, I think, every – he made like five in a row at the end of the game. So, I mean, the, I don't know what the Knicks are – I don't know if they're going to bench Alfred Payton in the playoffs, but there's no reason for him to be playing because he's useless at this point. He doesn't score the ball. He's not even the primary playmaker in the starting lineup anymore. And his defense uh, is very uh, concerning and questionable. So I don't know why he's there. I, I I don't know why they just don't start Derrick Rose, but. Yeah. So it's been about a week. So I think we're allowed to talk about Nick's starting lineup changes again, because it's just too much fun, but it does get kind of repetitive. But yeah, Peyton's been their starter for most of the year. And yeah, like you said, 15 minutes, the Stalin looks decent at seven, four, three, and one, three for four from shooting, but you watch him. He's he, he does nothing like at all. He's not good. And especially when you have Derrick Rose backing him up. So are you team start Derrick Rose? I'm team start Derrick Rose. Get, uh, Let's get some some of these guys. I know they're missing a lot of guys, but like maybe next year I'd like to see like Nidokina get in there, Alec Burks, and have RJ Barrett be the primary playmaker with Burks in there. I, I don't know. Well, yeah, this winning streak mainly started because the Alec Burks finishing at point guard, which is not really because it's Baird or Randall finishing at point guard, but he gives another shooter in the corner to really, you know, it's him and Bullock kind of there. And he'll dribble the ball up and he'll pass it out to Randall. Randall runs point forward. Um, yeah, I think getting him back will help. I don't have injury specialist George here on with me. I don't know how long Alec Burks will be out. I know it's not COVID related. It's an actual injury. Uh, so hopefully he can get back there soon for the playoffs. Uh, on Phoenix's side, a um, couple of 40-minute players, Devin Booker and Mikel Bridges, uh, 40 apiece. Mikel Bridges continues to build the uh, I'm the most underrated player in the league uh, status. He 21 points here, 8 for 12 from, from the field, 50% from, from three. And he's a great defender. What do you see? Um, Alec Burks is actually COVID-19 protocol. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. You missed one podcast. So he missed it. He, he missed his sixth game in a row. Uh, hopefully he'll be back, uh, either Wednesday against Chicago or the game after that. Okay. So pretty so yeah, soon. They'll be getting him back decently quickly. Um, just a heads up, uh, Sarich and Crowder missed this one for the Suns, but you got Chris Paul, Devin Booker. You're going to be in every game. So, uh, just real quick ceiling for this squad. The Knicks or Suns? The Suns. Suns finals. Sheesh. Okay. Um, getting to uh, Utah and Timberwolves. Timberwolves took them down 105-104 thanks to a <laughs> D-low game winner, which we will get to because I'm sure. Um, I know George is mad he's missing this one, but uh, it's kind of Rudy Gobert's fault. We'll get to it. Um, Utah in the first quarter, 33-17, and the Minnesota clawed back. Um, every quarter was decided. The differential between the quarters was double digits. Really weird. Utah won the uh, fourth quarter by 12 points and still lost. Uh, but yeah, Conley 26 in this one, uh, as they were still missing, uh, Donovan Mitchell. And then for the Timberwolves, Diallo comes off the bench again, plays 30 minutes, 27 and 12, uh, in good, good shooting. Really got Carl Towns going there as well. Although Carl Towns' 13 shots isn't what you want. Anthony Edwards took those shots, 5 for 17. Uh, but you know, that's how Edwards rolls. Uh, what do you see from this one, uh, just broadly, and then we'll break down that last play? Uh, broadly, man. <laughs> I they I don't know why the Jazz lost this game. They, they really shouldn't have. Uh, and another thing, we've kind of harped on this forever, but 28% from three. It really looks like the only guy that doesn't look for the three-pointer when it's not falling is uh, – Jordan Clarkson, because he's the only one that kind of is like a three-level score on that team. And he went one the for re- ten in this one. For three. Yeah, the rest of the rest of the guys honestly settle uh, a lot for three. Clarkson, wow, yeah, one of ten is bad. But Joe Ingles three of thirteen, Conley three of nine, uh, Bogd Bojan one of seven. Like these are like they should be making, they should be trying other shots. Because if you look at it, Joe Ingles shot one shot extra that wasn't a three. Conley had ten, which is good, and uh, Bojan four. 
and none of them fell. So I, yeah, I, I, I was under the impression because when, when Bojan was with his old squad before he came to Utah, he was almost kind of like a three little score as well. He yeah. could drive, he get the midi and turn him into a three point specialist and he'll hit him sometimes. But yeah, him, Conley's a little over the hill. He's still a very good starting pork in this league, but he's not going to give you that, like that Grizzlies Mike Conley was going to be driving constantly. So I kind of yeah. see where he can kind of rely on the three. Um, and then Royce O'Neal, straight three and D Joe angle is just not fast enough to drive like at, uh, at all. Yeah. Um, and then Rudy Gobert gives you nothing on offense besides loves. So it's kind of up to Bogey. He didn't miss, he didn't miss today. <laughs> yeah, he did, yeah. It's kind of up to, to, to bogey. I think boggy Bogdanovich uh, to kind of take over that, that three level score role and Mitchell's out. And he's not doing that. Like, like you said, one for 11 from the field, one for seven from three at what yeah. some point you just got to start driving and you're going to get foul calls and, you know, that's kind of how it goes, though. Uh, so, yeah, now we'll kind of take a look. So, I'll kind of break down the last play. Five seconds left, Minnesota down by one. Um, Carl Towns sets a screen for D'Lo. Maybe it was vice versa. Anyways, Conley and Gobert misread the switch. D'Lo got maybe the easiest game when we've seen him, what, the past two decades? Just a, a simple <laughs> layup. Like, no one was near him. Rudy Gobert, I think, has a 10-foot wingspan. Couldn't, couldn't recover in time. And, I mean, so what did you kind of take from that last play? I know – I know you'll let me hear it. <laughs> ben Simmons would have done the same thing, I swear. He, ben Simmons would have done the same thing. Carl Anthony Towns, 21 and 11. And no, Ben Simmons wouldn't have done the same thing because Ben Simmons doesn't look like a lost sheep on the perimeter. Uh, this actually put Dikembe Mutombo's number one player and the defensive ladder <laughs> to Ben Simmons, this one player right here. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I don't want to harp on it too much because obviously it's a mistake, but again – when you're playing at elite defense at such a high level for such a long period of time, you're going to get blunders like this. Uh, ben Simmons has I've for sure done the same thing. He's let players shoot out of their minds sometimes. And like, that's what happens when you're playing at such a high level. So it just kind of sucks that it was toward the end of the game. And especially at that time, you would want your s- superior defensive players to show out and make sure that nothing like this happens. Uh, so this is, this is not a good look for Rudy Gobert, I think. I think it's just more the fact that he's kind of like letting them get back in the game. Like Cat was playing really good. Like he mm-hmm. didn't settle. He was not making the three ball, which Gobert was kind of giving him toward the beginning. So he just went right right at Rudy and kind of got what he wanted. So I think that's kind of the bigger story or what should be the bigger story. But obviously that backdoor cut, that's like a middle school move, man. Like that's so something, I, I, something a rec the, coach. To keep it a buck, I don't love Rudy Gobert, but I think you, I need to give him more credit than he deserves because you guys don't give him enough credit. So I'm always coming to his defense. And I, I was seeing the chat. I'm like, yeah, it's podcast day. We're going to talk about this game. I watched the play for about five minutes straight. Just keep rewinding. I was it's like, bad. I was like, can I call this <laughs> on anyone? Mike Conley switch? No, that no. It's Rudy Gobert's fault because yeah. you see Mike Conley constantly looking back too, waiting to hear, are we going to switch? Are we going to switch? Rudy, mouth shut, just looking ahead. Oh yeah, I'm going to guard Carl Anthony Towns because he's going to shoot a Reggie Miller bank shot against the Nets uh, three-pointer <laughs> and win it. Oh no. And props to Ricky Rubio too. It took the whole five seconds, was was waiting for that play to develop nice, and he got the job done. One thing, do you think that was a, that was the, the – Teal was like, we're going to target Rudy Gobert because of his defensive IQ. Um, we're going to put him in this kind of screen screen thing to get Delos open shot. Or you think it, it was just, this is our go-to play, two best players, one cuts up, one cuts back, and it just happened to be Delo. I I think that if they weren't game planning for that potential switch, it would already have been one of their hands. Like I think from the top, uh, it would have been a lot easier for them to just set up a play with one of their, the person that's going to score with the ball in their hand at the beginning, just in case. But uh, in this case, I think they were just hoping for the switch. I don't want to say they were directly attacking Gobert because on the other side of the, if Cat gets the ball against Mike Conley, that's a bucket also. <laughs> yeah. So I just think that switch in general is what they were hoping for, and they were able to get it. So, Yeah, fair enough. Uh, anything else from that game uh, you want to cover? No. All right. So. Uh, last game of Monday we're going to really cover here. Uh, pretty decent Monday, but we're going to end it off here with the uh, Nuggets beating the Grizzlies, 120-96. Nuggets wrote a 35 to 21 fourth quarter in their blowout victory, winning all four individual quarters in this game. Denver's assist to turnover ratio, 25 to 11. Memphis assist, assist to turnover ratio, 20 to 16. So that, yeah, that's where it kind of, that's, that's the tail of the tape right there. Uh, John Moran led the Grizz with 27, and Michael Porter Jr., your guy, led the Nuggets with uh, 20, uh, 31. 
And uh, Fukando led them in assists, not Nikola Jokic. A uh, good game for Jokic, though, uh, 24 and 15 and 5, guarded by uh, my man crush, Jonas Valanciunas. So always, always good when you can put up numbers against that big guy. Uh, just overall thoughts from this one and uh, just how Nuggets are playing in general without Jamal Murray. Nice uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. game again, 10 and 7. Not great field goal percentage at all, but again, he's logging minutes and they're going to get painful games like this. Uh, he's already doing more minutes than Brandon Clark. So you're, you're happy. It. That is a big grin. On I, face for them. I am very happy. Uh, PJ Dozier started that, like we were talking about, uh, but this is because Will Barton's hurt. Uh, again, they're playing really good without a lot of their key players. Austin Rivers got some minutes today. Uh, Paul Millsap off the bench did pretty well, but real big story here, Michael Porter jr. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. In his last 10 games has only scored under 20 points once. And it was a 17-point game against the Trailblazers, and he shot 66%. So uh, I don't know what he's turned into another gear, and we're going to make fun of his defense all he wants, but 31 and 39 in the last two games, if he scored points like that, it's kind of hard to not keep him on the floor. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of got a... I apologize here because it was a podcast was just me and George and he didn't, def- I said it, he kind of agreed, but you know, George will kind of play the middle ground. So like the he has, the, he has the upper hand here. Yeah. Um, I was like, there's no way I trust nuggets can have the first round. If Michael Porter jr. Is my go-to scorer. And I, I, I look like a goddamn fool. I look like an idiot. Like, and I, like I look, I, the clown makeup meme is what, what I look like. I'm slowly putting it on with every 25 piece he gives me. It, it, it's embarrassing. This guy's a bucket. Like he's also said, getting a lot of rebounds. Too, yeah. Which and, is kind of confusing. Well, because he's basically, they've kind of swapped. Aaron Gordon's playing the three it, it, from he's just like a, a, just, a, just the naked eye, like watching the games. Uh, Gordon's playing the three and Porter's playing the four, essentially. And then you got Nikola Jokic, who just makes everyone around him better. Um, but yeah, that, that's one thing I, I gotta give Michael Porter Jr. credit. He made me look probably my, I might be my worst take on the podcast. Cause it, it happened like instantly, like he hasn't missed a beat since Jamal Murray went out. Um, as far as like <laughs> being their go-to offensive guy, you know, Jokic is their go-to score. I should say Jokic is their, is their point guard yeah. essentially, but you know, yeah. Porter Jr. Um, and then yeah, big, big Austin Rivers guy for me. Um, I think he might earn the starting spot, um, from Compazzo once, uh, Will Barton gets back, but we'll see. But yeah, Nuggets keep on keeping on with all these injuries, and Will Will Barton was a, a big injury. And he, do you know when he'll be? Uh, when he'll fully be back? Um, they're ho- they don't have a timetable yet, but with an injury kind of like that, you would want to say two anywhere two to four weeks, like an ankle sprain. So right at the beginning of the playoffs, you, you're thinking, or I'm thinking a little bit like right before. Okay, all right, all right. Well, now we're moving on to Tuesday. Um, kind of a a midday. You know, only a few games on. Uh, so I'll, I'm going to name all the scores, and you tell me where you kind of want to focus. I'll give some some of my thoughts, and then we'll kind of move on here. Uh, so Thunder beat the Celtics, 119-115. Maybe thinking, that's a big game. Celtics have been our role, da-da-da. Missing Tatum, missing Kemba. Uh, Jalen Brown, 30, 39 points. Uh, not a whole lot uh, to add there. Lou Dort, though, 24. Lou Dort. Uh, Bucks beat the Hornets, 114-104. Uh, Blazers beat the Pacers, 133-112. Nets beat the Raptors 116-103. Uh, Timberwolves beat the Rockets 114-107. And the Mavericks blew the Warriors out of the water uh, 133-103. And if you would believe it, it's 30 points doesn't do it justice uh, how bad that game was. So where do you kind of want to uh, go with this day? <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to go with the Blazers game. Uh, Anthony Simons hit like nine threes in a row or something ridiculous Leading like score. that. Uh, yeah, he kind of wrecked house. Uh, it was very interesting to see. Uh, yeah, but I think that's where they kind of blew the game out of the water of the 24-point differential in the third quarter. Not really a big game to talk about in terms of what happened in the game, but more so an interesting stat. The Blazers are now, oh, I guess not because the Pacers aren't over 500. They are 8-20 and 20 against teams that are over the 500 mark. And that is very, very, very concerning because I didn't even put into the consideration. I guess this will be my Dame apology. I was talking with Jay Sports about this yesterday. He can vouch for me. But I think uh, Steph Curry has finally passed the Dame Lillard mark because I didn't realize how bad they were losing games. And I also didn't realize how they weren't winning games against good teams. 
those are two very big things. Uh, they've looked worse with their uh, whole squad, which is kind of concerning. I don't know what's that, what that's going to do come playoff time because I still think that they have a legitimate shot at knocking off um, Utah uh, because of game plan or even Phoenix because of the inexperience. Uh, but again, they have not looked good, especially against good teams. And that's very concerning. And if they, and who knows if Anthony Simons doesn't get it going the way he did, the, the Pacers might've beat them without Sabonis. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is just a weird, like Enos Cantor, 15 minutes off the bench, 12 and 14. <laughs> like, I'd like it. it there was he just can't a... drink water, man. He can't drink water. Exactly. Like, I, I mean, like, why do you think, because I, that it's a good stat. I kind of said the Heat are the perfect 500 team. They do who they're supposed to, and they lose to who they're supposed to. The Blizz are kind of on that track too. They're five games over 500, but like you said, not too great against teams above 500. And then you see, you know, they kind of kick, kick the pace in the teeth here, and you don't really see the Blazers get upset very often. So why do you think that is? Because this team has a lot of you know floor raisers as far as like Dan Lillard can drop 50, McCollum can drop 40, Norm Powell's team drop 40 this season. So why like do you see them kind of pinned in this box here? Because uh, they only play one side of the ball and their centers don't have stamina. Uh, I've talked, I've said the Blazers, uh, I've said this, I've put them in like their own category. It's like the Portland Trailblazer category. It's teams that in the back of your head, no matter how good they might be winning games, you just know that they don't have enough steam to make a legitimate run at any sort of finals uh, run. I don't think that this team has had enough steam for the last three years. As much as I would love them to be in the finals, and as much as I think that they have a really, really, really good team, I just don't think they have enough steam to make that final push. Do you just 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 came to my head just because of how you described them? Do you get Clippers vibes from Lob City Clippers vibes from them as far as what their ceiling was most years? And I kind of feel like that 2015 Clippers team was probably the one to win if they were ever going to win it. And that 20, uh, the one they went, the Blazers team that played the Warriors that got swept in the conference finals, that was kind of their year to win it. And now they're just kind of treading water until they blow it up. Do you kind of feel that or were the Lob City Clippers just a little better? Um, I think the Blazers suffered a lot considering the fact that uh, they played in a the generation of basketball where there was a literal super team, like yeah. the definition of the super team uh, in a, they had to play against, but I don't know. Um, I don't think I put them in the same category because the Clippers, it was like sheer disappointment. Uh, whereas the Blazers, like if you take away some of the competition, we're looking at a different story. I think it's kind of more out of their picture. Like they're good, but there's just better teams. Whereas mm -hmm. the Clippers, it was like they were the better team and they just disappointed. So the difference is expectations. I wouldn't say expectations. Are, yeah, I guess that, that would that's a good way to put it, actually, the more I think about it. All right. Well, thank you for the uh, Blazer talk. I'll kind of, uh, you know, just kind of run down a few things. Uh, Nets, like I mentioned, number one seed now uh, after the, just kind of holding on to it, this Raptors win. And it you, it's weird because, you know, Nets are not going to really do are not going to really prove a whole lot because it's time for playoff time. They've played seven games with their stars. Uh, so they're kind of, kind of treading water right now, but you just get these games where like Jeff green, 22 points leading score, uh, KD 17 points on, on seven shots. Just like the, they, they just keep showing you how many pl good players they have and what their ceiling really is. And their ceiling is sweeping through the entire playoffs um, just because yeah. of how talented they are. Uh, and then I just want to touch on the wolves right here. Uh, I believe, let me get, let me get some stats up. Uh, six and four in the last ten. Uh, six and six since um, D'Lo came back from his surgery, uh, his knee surgery. Uh, they won three in a row, um, and now I'm looking at the standings. They are one of two teams to already be ruled out for the playoffs, but we know they're bad. Uh, that's how it goes. Um, they're gonna have. They're kind of putting in jeopardy though their top three pick because mm -hmm. it's looking like Rockets. Rockets. Uh, I don't spoil it has a little bit. Shut down. Shut down John Wall. Uh, so they're yeah. just. They're not playing anyone. Rockets are going to lose maybe every single game for the rest of the year. Um, and then you got the Orlando Magic, who are right on the tail of them trying to get that first pick. And the Wolves are still trying to win games because they got Cat, D'Lo, and Edwards, real actual talent, um, and guys that aren't just going to roll over and lose. So that kind of scares me there. Um, although I feel like if they lose this pick, it won't be the end of the world. But, I mean, if they keep winning, they will lose this pick to Golden State. And Golden State will have a few things to do with that pick, uh, depending on how Clay Thompson comes back. 
And then, yeah, just to mention, uh, Mavs now snagged that sixth seed over Portland. Um, like you mentioned, Portland's kind of struggling against good teams. The Mavs do not struggle against good teams. Mavs haven't struggled really against anyone uh, in this last 10-game stretch. Uh, Luka Doncic's 39 points in that blow against the Warriors on uh, 28 minutes, uh, 15 for 23. And, I mean, the Mavs team, this Mavs team gets it going and on the offensive end. They're really hard to stop. And, I mean, da- Dallas held them to zero points in the last eight minutes of the first quarter. Um, and they won that first quarter 30, 36 to 12 and then won the second quarter 26 to 17. So they, they really put their foot down this game and the Warriors really need this game too, just because they're kind of battling and playing. So, you know, they're not going to be an easy, easy W that's what it turned into for the maps. So yeah, just those three games right there kind of showing us the ceilings and floors of a lot of teams that were kind of breaking down as the season comes to an end. Uh, be anything else to add from uh, Tuesday? Uh, no. All right. Well, now we'll get to the halftime report. Uh, it's called the halftime report for two reasons. Uh, one reason tonight. Uh, it's halfway through the show, so I'll. Uh, I I believe you wrote it up, so I'll let you handle the the honors. Alrighty. So we have a few things uh, to attack. Not too many. Um, I think that we. It's about time we kind of bring this one up. So the first one is from the Mavericks Warriors game. It was kind of dead time. Uh, Jordan Poole makes a drive. Boban kind of hits him a little hard. He falls really hard. That was kind of where most of the impact was. And Boban gets a flagrant two for that. Uh, and a, a thing that I saw on Twitter, because I had to do a little bit of George research. Oh, yeah, yeah, you had to get in the mind of George. Uh, in the past week that uh, the Mavericks have played, Boban's done that foul or similar-esque uh, three different times and the three different rulings. Flagrant one for the first time, common foul for the second time, and today a flagrant two. Uh, the I think that the officiating has had its concerns and suspicious uh, referee games have been definitely in play in terms of this season. What are your thoughts, just kind of like how refing is in general, and how do you think it's going to affect the overall picture come playoff time? Because I know there's this stigma where they let players kind of play a little bit harder in playoff. Do you think that's kind of disappearing or do you think that will disappear? Or I, you can just give your overall thoughts about the referees in general. Okay. Um, so yeah, this one kind of drove me crazy. Uh, I didn't see the Twitter thing you saw where it was different rulings three different times. That's just ridiculous. Uh, but this one was kind of tough to watch just because you see he got, he hit him pretty hard. Yeah. Maybe give him a flagger one. Maybe who cares? Yeah. But he was very like remorseful as far as like, like they're both in the floor. He's like, check it on. Like, Hey, you good. You good. I, you, you, everyone knows Boban. He's the nicest guy in the league. Like you see, you see that goldfish commercial with Toby. It, it, he's a funny guy. He's, he's, he's a good guy. And it, I don't under, He's like pleading with the ref. Like, why are you kicking me out? Why are you kicking me out? It's also garbage time. Like what's yeah. the point like of, of stopping the game like that and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, with the refs, there's two problems. It's, the bad officiating and the uh like you mentioned the uneven officiating inconsistency thank you yeah for the officiating i want to know which one you think is worse um but i mean yeah i think as far as um well yeah let me see which one's which one you think is worse on the inconsistency or just the bad soft calls in general i think it's uh a little bit of inconsistency but that leads to bad officiating because if they're going to be consistent, I think they would lean toward more the soft side. And that would be an issue that I would not like to see. But I mean, if they're going to play like both sides and like either let them play really aggressively and we'll complain about that or <laughs> let them not be able to play a lick of defense at all without getting a foul called on them. And then we'll complain about that. I think that's kind of like the root of all the ref problems is the fact that they can't pick a side yeah, I mean, it just sucks because, like, now the old heads are winning because, like, I'm 19 and I'm, like, the NBA soft. Like, j- especially yeah. I'm, if we're going to go broad as far as just, like, talking the rest of the whole NBA season, the technicals are out of control. Like, oh, yeah. rest are, like, getting their For feelings sure. hurt. Like, like you, like you, uh, like they're getting their feelings hurt because they miss a call and then the players get angry and you can see they missed the call. You can't penalize the player for being right. I don't care what he says, unless he calls you like something like out of this world, you can't give him a technical if he's right. That's just my way of thinking. I, I don't know. flirted with a girl and the Mavericks got every call that they need. Exactly. Right after and that. I know Luke is a stud, but you can't be doing that. And yeah. I'm sure they'll have her in the playoffs because uh, it's, it's going to get, it's going to get, you know, we're going to have Luke in the playoffs. So I'm sure we'll have her in the playoffs, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it's just really frustrating. And then 
Yeah, I mean, ju- just to I mean, kind of make this seem better, there's going to be less refs in the playoffs, obviously, because there's less games being played. And the NBA normally uh, tightens up the refereeing. Uh, it's happened before, not just as far as how they call it, but just uh, the way they call it. Mm-hmm. Um, just because everyone's watching and they don't want a whole like, which uh, which doesn't really work for this example because Mavs Warriors was a primetime game, uh, nightcap as well, and they still have stuff like this happening. But you see the same three refs in every single playoff series. Um, it's Tony Brothers, the white guy with the slick back, and then a woman. And I mean, th- and that's what that's why they have they they have the top tier refs on the job, and just because they don't want bad things happen, they don't want bad calls happening. All stuff, da, da, da. but. You you mentioned Mitt, like a stigma. Do you believe that calls kind of tighten up in the playoffs, or do you think that's just kind of a thing we've done? Because you are a James Harden apologist, um, so that would kind of go hand in hand with James Harden kind of clamming up in the playoffs just because he relies so much on the whistle. Uh, I think they let him play a little bit more. I think it's kind of lessened over time. Uh, I'm kind. I've that's always a concern because you always see like the game ones you're like oh i wonder how they're going to handle the playoff intensity because it's a completely different picture there's like a few days off from the end of the regular season to the beginning of playoffs the gear switches and you can tell from the players but sometimes you can't tell from the refs and they kind of call soft calls and nobody likes and they're just so junked up on the adrenaline from being in the playoffs especially like the first time teams <laughs> like where they've never made it they're they're roughhousing and they're not even roughhousing they're just like a little too excited and the refs won't let it go which kind of sucks but i don't know what was the golden age of playoff basketball as far as officiating was it in was it 2000s no because uh in terms of officiating okay uh, maybe well, the not, the, not the 2002 Western Conference Finals. That one doesn't count. Yeah, that one doesn't count. <laughs> we're talking mid 2000s, like from 2004 to like 2000. Think the Spurs and Pistons when they were at their reign. That's when I 04, think it was 04 to 2010. Yeah, I yeah. Would say. I think that they were letting them play, but like it was still. I don't know when Mouse of the Palace was punch somebody. Yeah, yeah I don't Mouse know when Mouse of the, was the Palace really. Or I should say. Yeah, now the Palace really changed the way uh, they refed, and I think it was for the better. And then you slowly got softer because you know co- players like Kobe Bryant started reading the rule book and seeing how to manipulate the refs, and now they just get manipulated by players like Trey Young. So I mean that that's the problem there. Uh, but yeah, enough enough officiating talk. What else you got for us? All right, and the last topic is just kind of a sum up of injuries. I did bring up the Will Barton injury in the last pod, so we will kind of go over some of the injuries that have been happening, and you can kind of kind of point out which one will affect which team the most so it's a lot of playoff competitors uh or p- players or teams that are in the playoff race uh Derek white got hurt i believe monday and he it was an ankle injury it looks like he's going to be out for a good amount of time they haven't established a timetable so that's not really a great thing uh cam reddish will be reevaluated in mid-may so hopefully he'll be back for playoff time. But until then, he's out uh, for that stretch. LeBron James has looked very well. He's still being really re-evaluated. Uh, but he's looked really well, apparently. And we kind of saw it because Twitter was blowing up about it. And the last thing, or not last thing, uh, Donovan Mitchell had an ankle injury. He's, they said he'll be out uh, at least another week, two days ago. So the Utah Jazz will have to continue. And finally, the Brooklyn Nets... Uh, are not officially, but ESPN is claiming that James Harden will be shut down for the rest of the season. I know we talked about the fact they've played seven games as a big three total. Uh, so he won't be back until they play in the playoffs. So I just want you to know it's a lot of injuries, a lot of big things. We hate to see it uh, very close to playoffs. Which one do you think will have the most effect, good or bad, on the teams? Um, so I'll give my boy Derek White a little bit of praise. Uh, he's averaging 15 and five on the season on 41% shooting. Uh, they, the Spurs love their guards. That's why they got the runners and playing power forward. Uh, but yeah, he went out in on Monday, uh, only played 19 minutes in a game that went to OT. So, you know, uh, you know, that's the game. Uh, cause normally <laughs> I just run 35 minutes or so. He's, he's kind of their iron man. Uh, but yeah, I think he, he's pretty important. Uh, but not as important as we'll get to. I think Mitchell is definitely the most important just because we've, we, we talked about, he's their only guy who can get them a bucket. Uh, and he, he, Michael is a great point guard, but their offense kind of revolves around Don Mitchell. Uh, obviously you saw him go on that terror 40 point games. Uh, and it was bad shooting cause it was just a lot of ISO ball because he's the only three level score they have. Um, and then LeBron, I mean, 
LeBron always figures it out. So I never really got worried from the start. I was only worried how much Lakers would slip in the standings. And luckily, a lot of the team, only team that really took advantage of the last, you know, six weeks are the Maps. Um, and then the Nuggets did jump us in the standings, but only we, Lakers only fell one spot without LeBron and AD. So that's the most you can ask for. Um, but one I think one I do want to get your opinion on is uh, Harden because he's kind of been Iron Man for his whole career, and now uh, it kind of happens here. He gets out of shape. It's a end season. Da 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 this da da that. Um, I'm not going to blame him for getting injured because everyone gets injured. But are you worried that this is kind of the first year um, cause that he's been because he's been injured, or are you like kind of like, hey, Harden flims on the playoffs sometimes. He's getting some rest here. It's a good thing. <laughs> you are you are doing these little backhand compliments to Harden, <laughs> demanding. No, 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 no. Relying on the whistle ball, and now here, here comes the the injury. He flames out in the playoffs. It's not I'm a backhand not, compliment. It's an observation. I'm not. I'm not worried in the slightest. Uh, I think this is honestly a good thing for him because we've talked about this and we've made jokes about it. He simply is an anomaly. He will look like he can't play 40 minutes, and will go out and give you 43, 44. So. So, and again, when they do, and I'm not worried just because of how good their chemistry is off the court. Uh, I think they'll be able to get it. I think that's the harder part of chemistry, uh, making it work outside of the court. I saw an interesting report that Luca and Porzingis do not hang out outside of uh, their basketball games and practices, which is a little concerning. This is not the case with the, the guys in Brooklyn. They look like they're all cheery. They have a good time with each other. Uh, especially you can tell with the bench reactions. But I think that the Nets will be just fine. They're a, a intimidating team when they're at their peak. And if Harden needs a first round to get back in shape, so be it. They're going to play Miami, Hornets, Indiana, one of those teams. Katie and Kyrie could beat those teams without Harden. So if Harden needs that as a warm-up series, I'm all for it. I'm not worried in the slightest. Look, look out, though. George said he'd take Miami over the Nets if they don't have Harden in the first round. Yeah, but round. he wouldn't take Miami over Milwaukee. So Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. how George works. Um, <laughs> I mean, you, you kind of took the, the kind of closing question I had for you out of this segment because, I mean, everyone in the media talks till they're blue in the face about, oh, can, the, can the Nets figure it out? It's only been seven <laughs> games. Like, they only played seven games together. And, I mean, I was kind of on that, that bandwagon at first, but I'm just like – they'll figure they'll figure it out they'll, guys, come on, come they'll, on. they'll figure it out and i think you make a good point Harden kind of having a warm-up series um against a team like i mean yeah let's see worst case scenario yeah they play miami or maybe they draw charlotte oh that 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 oh yeah they they draw charlotte with a rejuvenated lamello ball and oh they take them to six no it's gonna be a sweep no matter who they play in the first round um Ooh. So, yeah, yeah, you you heard it, you heard it. I don't think it'll be a sweep, but it'll be. You think a, they're dropping be, game one? I maybe they might. I don't they know. They might pull. Maybe Kyrie pulls LeBron, kind of a feel out game. See what am I? What do I got to do here? We, we figure it out. The Kyrie feel out. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> the Kyrie feel out. <laughs> um, but I mean, yes. Yeah, as, as far as all those injuries go, I'm kind of, you know, just kind of waiting to see what happens. I hope everyone's healthy for the playoffs. I did see one funny thing I saw on like, I think it was like the jump or something with the one with Richard Jefferson. They're like, who's, who, whose return is going to be more of their team? The James Harden or LeBron James. I'm like, that's, that's stupid. They, LeBron James, yeah. they, they, they could, like you said, they can win a, I, I have it on record. I think that they can make the, uh, I th- I'll put it on record now. And that's gonna make the conference finals without Harden. If they keep that first seed. Um, just because oh, yeah, they, and then I said they can make the finals without Harden. Yeah, so. I think they can make the finals without Kyrie. I think they need Harden and Katie to make the finals. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, anything else for the halftime report? Uh, I think I I will just just to close it up. I'll give my opinion on who I think the impact's going to be really the good. best. Uh, obviously, uh, it's kind of a no brainer. LeBron James is such a crucial part to the Lakers. I'm a little just a very very smidgen worried. Um, and it'll get evaporated when he does return. Uh, just kind of how his timetable has been altered. Uh, he's, again, he is LeBron James, but once again, he is a 36-year-old male who has spent most of his routine uh, playing aggressive in the first half of the season and then kind of laxing in that second half and then becoming a different breed in the playoffs, and that's kind of been his timetable. But here we are. I know this has affected a lot of people, but he is – he is older than most of the guys that are competing for that superstar number one spot for a championship hopeful team. Uh, he he did have that uh, having to go aggressive in the first half, 
but now it's injury. And on top of that, the shortened off season, I know he was a very big outspoken individual in terms of extending the off season. He didn't get his wish. Uh, it showed through his play, how angry he was about that. But uh, this isn't like a, Oh, I'm LeBron James. I'm resting. This is a, Oh, I'm LeBron James. I'm coming back off of injury. And that's a very big thing. I, the, my biggest concern is re-injury aggravation. It's not really if he's going to come back to play because obviously he's going to. I'm just worried that when he does press the gas pedal, the engine doesn't start. That's my yeah. big thing. There's a fluke. Those are, that's the big thing just because of his age. But again, he's LeBron James, and everybody's going to have that concern no matter how many games he's played in a row. So it's just a very smidge injury. But just because of how important he is to the Lakers championship run, I think that's always something I think about in the back of my head. Yeah, I mean, he is LeBron James, but then again, he is in year 18, uh, probably older than your local middle school PE teacher. And I mean, it, it's just wild <laughs> Not to Mr. think Starkins. about. Shout out, Mr. Oh my God, Mr. Starkins. That guy, that guy always was good for a joke. He really was. Um, <laughs> my God, I love Mr. Starkins. Um, but yeah, I mean, injuries are going to happen. You have to hope they're all, they're all healthy. I am yeah. with you on the re injury uh, for LeBron. Because, yeah, he it's it. The only real major injury he had was coming back from the groin, and it d- didn't go well. He couldn't get the Lakers to the playoffs, and no one could really do that because Lakers just that uh, twenty nineteen season was hell on earth. But normally, I mean, yeah, you looked- say normally you say you put LeBron in any team and he gets to the playoffs, and he didn't look great after that groin. Uh, but then he had last year, which was an MVP season. He had this year, which was looking like an MVP season. So he's got to hope yeah, and wait. He's looked good. He's looked good, especially in the warmups too, but I'm going to do a little George. Oh, it's a lower body. And especially oh, it's all connected. because ankles, like you can be uh, perfect for 47 minutes and 30 seconds and one play just, just ruins the ankle. So again, that's, that's the reason I didn't get any scholarships. I got ankle problems. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Moving on to, uh, we got a few posts to have on topics. Uh, first one, I'm just going to fill you in on the, uh, East plan situation. Uh, I like to do this every every few episodes just because it's kind of a, a cluster there. I'm going for that last spot because the top three are kind of there and then that last spot. Uh, it's between the Wizards, the Bulls, and the uh, Raptors. Right now I can tell you Washington is up by one game uh, on the Chicago Bulls and then the Raptors are half a game back from the Bulls, one and a half games back from the Wizards for the 10th spot. Uh, so the Wizards uh, went on a huge win streak and they uh, – just uh, got that broken by the Spurs. Uh, they were eight and two in the last ten. Chicago's four and six in the last ten, and Toronto was six and four in the last ten. Uh, as far as games that happen, Wiz lost a thriller to the Spurs uh, in over in overtime, one forty six, one forty three. Thanks to my boy Demar Derozan, uh, missed that clutch shot, but thirty seven points in the W. Bradley had over forty. Uh, Raps beat the Cavs, one twelve and ninety six, but then lost on a back to back to the Nets, one sixteen, one hundred three. Like I mentioned, Uncle JG. 22 points in the W. Uh, and the Bulls beat the Heat in a pretty impressive game, uh, 110-102. Uh, Bulls are still missing Zach Levine, um, but they're kind of – I mean, they were on that huge losing streak and they're kind of streaking together games on a one-game win streak now in 4-6 the last 10, like I mentioned. Uh, yeah, is it changed? I'm still Wizards gang. Who was getting the last spot? How you, who you got? Uh, I'm going to also take Washington. They've just been on a tear. Russell Westbrook got I, out I of converted his mind. You. I, I I think that they get it. I don't think they go anywhere with the 10th seed. Uh, everybody on social media is like, wow, it would be such an epic story time if Russell Westbrook somehow snuck into the AC and they upset the Nets in the first round. I was like, okay, buddy, wake up. Yeah, that's, that's not <laughs> a story. Dream, that's not a bedtime story. That's a dream. <laughs> the, dream, the, dream is, the dream is ending. Uh, I think they get the 10th seed, but I don't know if they go too far with that. Yeah, I have Wizards getting the 10th seed, but then I – I'm I'm in literal purgatory because I have to choose between who's going to win uh, in the one game, Indiana or Washington Wizards, and that's not going to. I, I love them both so much, but I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right now the East playing uh, Miami seven, Charlotte eight, and then Indiana nine, Washington ten. Um, Miami, Boston, they're going back and forth uh, just because Boston's on that three-game losing streak. Uh, as far as who's going to get that six, who's going to get the seven? Uh, but yeah, I got Washington. I'm sure George does too. Um, and I know, I know Jace. Does Jay Sports have it? I don't know if he who he who yes have. he does. Okay, yes. So it's looking like um, the one good opinion I've ever had. It's the Miami Heat Dark Horse Finals last year, and then Washington Wizards sneaking in the play. <laughs> after that, nothing good has ever happened when I, when I start talking. <laughs> um. Now, so uh, last thing here before the look ahead. Um, your idea actually. So I'll actually I'll let you kind of take a take the lead on this one. Okay. So uh. 
We have a very, we have about four different categories, I would say, in both conferences. We have the playoff seeding, the one through six seed. They've shown kind of why they're there. Uh, and then we have the play-in teams, the seven through 10, the teams that uh, need a little bit more oomph, but they have shown and have proven their worth. And then we have the uh, 11 and 12 seeds just out of the play-in. They are the disappointments or lacking something that needs to be retooled. But again, there's not too much doubt that in eventually they could get in the position if things go right. And then we have the bottom of the barrel, the dumpster fires, I think, in both conferences, that sums up the 13th through 15th. So for the East, it's Cleveland, Detroit, and Orlando. And for the West, it is Oklahoma, Timberwolves, and the Houston Rockets. So don't want to get too far in depth because I know when we run out of dry or when we go dry in the offseason, uh, we're going to want to talk about retooling these teams more specifically. But I guess I want to get your opinion in like a quick, like a couple sentences or so what uh, each team uh, should look for in the offseason, whether it be a draft pick, whether it be a certain uh, type of player build or anything like that. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, start with the Eastern Conference. We'll start with a 13th seed. Uh, we can just bounce back and forth. Uh, I'll, let, I'll let you go first, and then I can just go just like a couple sentences, like one or two. Like Yeah, like a, like a stoplight paragraph, like that kind yeah. of thing. Um, <laughs> yeah um so did you want to start with uh orlando uh we can start we'll go from the top uh so okay we'll so the 13th the because they are the cl- they are technically the closest to that next category okay so yeah for cleveland um i think their backcourt is set uh but they did kind of give up some uh 3d potential with that kevin porter jr trade and i know it might go down as a horrible horrible trade but it had to happen uh, just because of the whole drama off the court uh, and he's more than a three and D, but he gives defense and he gives, you know, shooting. He's also a pretty good three level score. So with their draft pick, they, or maybe in free agency, um, I think they just treat it kind of like how the wizards did, uh, the, uh, Hornets did last year and either, you know, overpay to someone who you're not going to get, um, you know, kind of how they did with Gordon Hayward, where only, only reason that players are coming to the Cavs is for money. They're not going to come there because they want to. Um, but yeah, uh, I think they only need to either overpay for, for like a, a wing in the offseason or in the draft one. And then also we, we didn't mention this in halftime, but they got to get rid of Kevin love. Um, he threw an absolute temper tantrum in that game. Like, I, I don't know if you saw that. Like he, I did. he was like, that, that was embarrassing. Like you, it's his fault. Come is on, there. Man, he's sad. He's sad. I, it's his fault. He's there though. He took that big ass contract and he yeah. took that picture with the contractors, like, oh, I'm happy to be in Cleveland, da 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 this, da 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 that. And now he's freaking out. It's all a, it's all I, a facade. He, he's, uh, I believe he's coming up probably on his last year of the contract. So it's definitely buyout material and maybe even tradable, although I can't really think of a team who's dire for a Kevin Love. But maybe, begging. yeah, and I, I think you need to buy out Kevin Love and get rid of him. Okay, that's fair. Uh, as my opinions on Cleveland, I like Okoro a lot more than most. I think he shows true defensive potential. His jump shot still needs a little bit of work in terms of consistency, but I think he's shown flashes. I'm a big person, and uh, I agree with you on the buyout. Kevin Love, get him out of there. He doesn't need to be there. He doesn't want to be there. So move on. Um, I think that the Larry Nance-Jarrett Allen combo cannot work uh, Mm. in this set of NBA. So I think that Jarrett Allen's a more – important valuable piece for them so i would look more for a stretch four uh, he's also younger so i agree with you yeah so uh come into the draft i would love to keep larry nance uh if you would want to keep him off the bench because he can play the five because he has the length for it so if he's like a backup to jared allen that could also work but i think just in this day and age having two uh players in like two big men that can't really shoot the ball or kind of extend extend and be a threat on the outside uh is not really going to work unless you have phenomenal uh, super out like unless you have the nets big three and then two two duds uh that can't shoot threes but i think they need to look for kind of a stretch four and i think they need to buff up their bench a little bit because they got a bunch of nobodies their starting lineup looks pretty decent i think that with a little bit of uh consistent minutes for all 48 they'll look a little bit better next year fair enough all Um, right so yes (laughs) Moving on, the Detroit Pistons. So I think I'm looking at the roster right here. 
one is just kind of get healthy. Uh, a lot of Killian Hayes' rookie year was taken away due to injury, and he was kind of considered like, you know, like kind of, he, was, he was high risk, high reward for the draft. I think they took my number seven. He's a point guard for them. Um, I think you can see what you have with him. Uh, so I think you just start him next year. Um, and that they got the head start on that by uh, getting rid of Derrick Rose. Um, and then I think you need to kind of give give the ball to Jeremy Grant and see if he can really run that point forward role and see if it's just empty stats or if he can stay as efficient. So as far as getting players, I think they need a secondary creator uh, in the guard slot. And I don't have a specific player because uh, I'm not huge on, you know, the draft. But um, I'm I'm sure a guy like Cade Cunningham or – or uh, Jalen Suggs can really get that done. And they will have a high enough pick to maybe get one of them. Uh, maybe you could help me out there because I know you follow college more than me. Um, mm-hmm. But is there a guy maybe specifically they need to target in the draft yes, uh, guard-wise? Yes. So the number one thing I would say is start Killian Hayes. Uh, they've been playing Corey Joseph a lot. And, oh, I mean, if you're going to suck, you might as well suck. Yeah, no reason to do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think personally they need a little bit – I think the shot creator – uh, I, I think right now they have the third pick, uh, quite honestly, uh, they need a lot. Like looking at this roster, I Googled Detroit Pistons and the first thing that came up was the depth chart. So you can tell a lot of other team, a lot of other people on Google are wondering who in the world is playing for the Detroit Pistons right now, beside Jeremy Grant. Uh, I think they found a gem in Sadiq Bay. Uh, mm-hmm. it took a little bit to come out, but he looks really strong. I think, uh, Grant and Bay look kind of good. Three, four Killian Hayes. I think they do need a, another, uh, f- guard, but I'm going to go in the direction more of a scoring guard. And I think Jalen green fits their team a lot better than ah. Jalen Suggs. Killian, uh, Killian Hayes is more of like a floor general. I'm not entirely sure if he's going to end up developing a super scoring, uh, jump shot and they need a center again, but one thing at a time, I think Jalen green will be there for them at the number three spot. And I think he fits their team a little bit better. He's a little bit, uh, he's a little bit skinnier, but he's a lot taller than Jalen Suggs. He's a lot more of a scoring guy. I think he fits very well. And he also had G League ball experience rather than the college experience. So I feel like he'll be a little bit more ready than NBA Suggs ready. Is. Yeah. And so in the I East, think- if you get an NBA ready prospect, you can maybe make the playoffs. Look at Lamelo Ball. Just because it's so kind of <laughs> top heavy there. Exactly. So I mean, again, with a lot of these teams, it's buffing up bench. But I think that Jalen Green fits their team a lot more than Suggs. I think I'm one of the few that agree on that because Suggs is probably the better prospect, but Jalen Green might fit their team a bit better right now. Uh, so I agree with you on everything except I think I mean you paid Mason Plumley uh, a good amount of money, and I mean in the last real game the Pistons played where they had a good amount of their guys uh, set against the Pacers, they lost by six because you know the Detroit Pistons. Uh, but but the whole Jeremy tape from but, Mason Plumley, <laughs> uh, Je- Jeremy Grant twenty five, and then Mason Plumley seventeen and twenty one. Uh, wow. So I mean, he's kind of like uh, you're paying him. There's no reason to, you know, have him ride the bench. He's going to give you decent minutes. Just stick with him at the center spot and kind of, you know, like we said, go after a guard because I'm big on Killian Hayes. I'm a big Killian Hayes guy. Uh, I don't watch college basketball, but when players get drafted, I do my research. And I liked what I saw from him in college. So I think uh, you hit on the nose there. He's kind of a floor general. So get a guy like uh, Green. Killian Hayes didn't uh, go to college. He's uh, overseas. See, I could say I meant that, but I didn't. So let's move on. (laughs) Uh, Orlando Magic. Uh, I'll let you go first. Orlando. Let me look at the let me look at the roster real quick. So the uh, we'll just do a quick recap of what Orlando did. They gave up literally everything uh, that breathed, uh, I guess, for them, and they kind of got left with a bunch of guys that are angry right now, but they look pretty young. I think they need to find an identity guy. I'm not really gonna. I don't really know who. I don't really know what they could possibly get. Um, but they are slotted at like four right now, I believe. Or no, I guess now they're slotted at two. But um, yeah, the, this it looks like a bunch of guys that kind of will put in effective minutes. But if you're looking at the guys that are kind of stick out, we have Cole Anthony, uh, Markel Fultz, RJ Hampton, uh, Wendell Carter Jr., Jonathan Isaac. None of those guys scream like, oh, I'm the number one. I'm the guy that's going to make it known that I'm the number one. Uh, we got a lot of good two, good number two options and number three options. I think that they should maybe package some of the younger guys uh, to a team that might have a couple struggling uh, identities and just get a guy that really says, hey, I play for the Orlando Magic and is kind of proud of it because Orlando, oof, they yeah. haven't had an identity since Dwight Howard. So, <laughs> uh, Well, their identity the last few years was they were like, we're the eight seed. 
hell yeah, we're, we're, we will all, we will be the A seed, and we don't care who says anything about it. We are DJ the Orlando Augustine Magic. Was their identity? Yeah, um, yeah, I agree with you there. One thing they got to find a uh, a good team doctor because Isaiah Isaac uh, or Jonathan Isaac cannot stay healthy. He simply can't. And I I know we both like Isaac and his defensive potential. Um, he's definitely a starter in this league, and he could maybe snag in a few All Star teams if this team can play good and he can stay healthy. Um, I kind of like your idea there of kind of swapping, you know, our young guys struggling or we don't have anything to do with Juan Carter Jr. Can we take that guy off for hand? Like, like a bull bull, maybe, I don't know, like something like that. Just, you know, exchange for players that neither team really needs. Uh, it can be a win-win trade. Um, and then also just get Terrence Ross out of there. There's one more year of straight losing in Orlando and one Terrence Ross, bless his heart, won't request a trade because he, he likes playing there too, but he's also going to win you games. So you got to get him out of there and maybe do him a favor, get him to a contender for maybe they want to drop you late first. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I think they have their, their point guard. They have Marco Fultz. Might as well just give Mo Bamba a full season, see what he has. I, I don't I don't know if we're alone on that, but like he has good physical nope. tools. Just no, see what he nobody has. Nobody understands how good the man could be. Just on see what Mo Bamba can give you. Nobody understands. And I think you put Kalanthi in that uh, Terrence Ross role, uh, that six-man role, because I think that's kind of his ceiling. He's kind of like a poor man's Kobe White. Um, but, yeah, start, start Mo Bamba, start Marco Fultz, uh, give RJ Hampton 20 a game. Uh, and I believe Otto Porter Jr. has one more year in his contract. You're not going to trade that. Just play him. And maybe he'll hit a, he'll hit a cool game winner next year. And, and they'll, <laughs> he'll to talk he'll about. get lost on defense like he did a few years back. Uh <laughs> So we'll move on to the more, the easier ones, in my opinion, the Western Conference. Uh, we have the Thunder, Timberwolves, Rockets. I'll let you start with the Thunder. They look very good uh, in terms of what they were expected to do. Uh, but what should they look for to continue their rebuilding process? Well, yeah, so OKC was, me and George said it, and we weren't crazy at the time, but before C we were like, OKC is the only team we could see not making the play-in just because they, they, they're going to try and tank. And there's going to be no fans. You have an excuse to tank. So same price is going to get keep those first-round picks. And they were playing way, way, like, way too good. Like They were in the play for like, the first 20 games. And they're like, you know what? Sit out Horford, uh, Shea Gilgis, your foot's sore. It's broken just out the year. All this stuff, da, da, da. And th- they still win games sometimes. I think they have a lot of potential here. They got their backcourt set. It's Shea yeah. and it's Lou Dort. Um, they should be able to buy out Horford out this offseason. Um, and maybe they can overpay for someone in the offseason, but that does seem like Sam Presti's style. So, yeah, it just seems like just keep playing. You know, you use your pick on uh, – you can't – I think they need to go with someone who fits uh, Shea's kind of play style. And I don't – what do you think that is? I'll love this up to you now. Um, I've kind of <laughs> said what they have so far, but what do you think they should do with that draft pick? Uh, yes. Yeah, so uh, Lou Dort has done a very great thing for the uh, Thunder in terms of proving that he can just kind of shoot the ball. So uh, I think the the mock draft that I have up uh, kind of hits it on the nose. They need a wing because they're starting Baisley, who I think could be good for them. But uh, Pokushevsky, uh, no, he's a, he's a bench writer. Okay. As much All as right. Like, no, 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 no. They want to call him Giannis. No, he's not. He he. Well, he, he can, cannot build he, like Giannis, but like he can he can put good minutes. He can put good minutes on the bench. Uh, I think Shea will eventually take the point guard role over Theo Maladin. So this they kind of have a you lot think? of young guys. <laughs> yeah, I think they have a lot. They have a lot, they have a lot of young guys off the bench that will be able to do work for them. Scotty Barnes is probably the number one name that comes up. He's not really a jump shooter i would say which but that's not what they really need they need the athleticism they need the size and the defense and scotty barnes has all of that he's 6'9 225 to play three play three and four same build as darius Baisley, so they can exchange depending on the matchups i think having that flexibility would be really good for them and would kind of certify their starting lineup because i'm a big fan of moses brown and what he's done for them in the oh, second half. big moses brown guy big yeah. moses brown guy yeah. So, yeah, we're pretty confident on OKC being able to turn this thing around. We haven't even mentioned I, – I, we mentioned their, their first-round pick. What are they going to do with the six other ones they had this year? Like, it will, <laughs> This team will be back on top pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, so then we'll move on to Minnesota, which I think has the most puzzling case because they have a lot of competing pieces. I'll let you take over for this one, though. Oh, you gave me the honor of getting a goddamn headache. Okay. <laughs> um, so there's no reason this squad shouldn't be in the play-in right now, which makes it really weird. Just because, I mean, like, like I feel like with how bad of a season Sacramento's had, the teal should be above them. But they didn't miss, 
D'Lo for a while. The season they can kind of chalk up to injuries. They Towns too. That's what really hurt. Yeah, them. I don't think they won a game without. I think they went zero and thirty without Towns in their first thirty <laughs> games. It was not a pretty look. Um, but I mean, as long as they the, these players want to be there, and I think Towns will stay there for at least another year as long as they keep D'Lo. Um, I mean, even if they don't get their pick this year, they're rolling out a starting lineup of D'Lo, who had twelve assists the other night, so he. He, he can play the point position when he's asked to, uh, the pure point position, that is. Ant Edwards, Malik Beasley. Um, they have a guy they like at the four, which um, Jaden McDaniels. But I think they could definitely target a four in the draft because that's their weakest spot. Um, and I think he needs to be defensive-oriented. Thank Jonathan Isaac of this year's draft. Um, and then Carl Anthony Towns at the starting five. Um, so I think they the only real position – they don't need wings and they don't need guards. So unless they're drafting for a bench spot, I think they need to go out and get a power forward um, who can it's kind of three and D. Um, I like Jonathan Isaac. If they could get Jonathan Isaac. I would like that, but uh, <laughs> I, I, you're the draft guy. Um, I know I know not huge in the draft, but is there a kind of a guy that kind of fits what I need, or is there a different need you have for them? Uh, I'm actually gonna take back what you said. I'm pretty big on uh, the draft. I would say I kind of take a little bit too much out of March Madness, but I do like to follow the top guys to see where they fall, where they drop. Um, But this team is very interesting because they shouldn't be in the position they are, like you said, but they are. Um, I think the number one thing they should do is lose uh, so they can keep that pick. And I think that they should use that pick for leverage because like you said, they have a lot of uh, really good pieces and they're kind of missing it. So think of the what we were talking about, the trade that should happen. Trade for a guy potentially that could be the number one. This could work for Orlando. If you trade a player like Jonathan Isaac, literally for the like a top three pick, and that number three pick, they could take like Cade Cunningham. They could take Evan Mobley. They could take. I so, think it might take a little bit more to get the third pick than just Jonathan oh, Isaac. Oh yeah, no, they so could you get they another could, haul back. You're saying they could throw? Yeah, they could throw Terrence Ross in there. They could. The Orlando Magic have guys to throw away. And now and the Orlando Timberwolves. Magic have two top five picks in your scenario. So <laughs> yeah, so the and, and they could even trade down. I think the Timberwolves are in a good position if they keep their pick. If they don't. Uh, I think power forward is their weakest position. I like Jaden McDaniels and think he should fit in the rotation somewhere, but a for a defensive minded, a forward would probably be the number one target. In my opinion, I would agree with you there. Uh, just, uh, I'm looking back here. Do you like the coaches for all these teams? Or would you fire any of them? Um, the only one I would really consider firing is, uh, Steve Clifford, but that's just yeah. because he's not a tanking because. kind of coach. Yeah, he's not. I I don't know. I don't like him there. Uh, <laughs> moving on to the final team, Fair the enough. Houston Rockets. Uh, they are also in a weird position because they went from a dark horse first round upset team with Harden and Christian Wood to dead last. Poor Tim Kohlmeyer. Poor guy. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you can wrap wrap that up in terms of the Houston Rockets. Um. Well, I. With these teams, I was able to figure out if next year is going to be a losing team, another losing season, a la the Magic, or if they're going to be able to push for a spot, a la the uh, the Timberwolves. I don't know with this team. Um, Christian Wood, who has been back and playing well, doesn't translate to wins because he's not that guy. He's a he's a fringe all-star, but he's not that guy to where when he's playing, like Carl Anthony Downs, when he's playing, they're going to win a few games they shouldn't. With Christian Wood, he's, he's great, but he's a fringe all-star. He's not going to really push that much. Um, I think they need to kind of clean shop. Um, they've done a good job with that, but still guys, guys like Eric Gordon, um, who I don't really know where he fits with this timeline. But I think next year, uh, it all depends on what they decide to do with John Wall and John Wall's contract is insane. So are they just going to keep him again? Um, and they're going to push because I mean, looking, you're looking at it. They're going to have their, uh, I do, they have their pick this year. Yeah. Um, and they had the Washington one next year as long with, I don't know which ones they have actually though. Cause the Russell Westbrook trade, but I know they have their, this year's pick. Uh, so let's yes. focus on that. They don't um, have gonna be, They don't. No. Okay. So yeah, they're okay. So now I know what direction they're they're, they're going to want to go in. They're going to be playing. So you're going to roll a starting lineup of John Wall, um, probably targeted guard in the draft, then uh, Kevin Porter Jr., um, Christian Wood, and then I think you overpay for a center in the off season. Um, I don't know exactly yet what's what centers are out there in the off season, but I think you go get a guy who can fit not nicely next to Christian Wood. Um, and then also, I've been thinking about this for a while. Maybe you swing a trade, um, give the Mavericks some defensive pieces, and you get Porzingis into Houston. 
Um, him and Christian would be kind of fun to watch uh, just because they could both kind of shoot 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 long ball. Porzingis more than Wood, uh, but I think that might kind of fit nicely there just because Christian was such a good defensive player. Okay. Uh, I like where you're thinking uh, in terms of what they need. I think they need a lot more. I personally am a big fan of just where they are because they kind of need, again, like you said, number one, and they have, they will probably have a top two pick. Uh, I think they're the leaders for the number one. One's the, the last time the, this is they a perfect are, gateway. They're perfect three gate. games up on the, on the perfect Orlando gateway. Magic. The last time the Houston Rockets had number one picks. Hakeem Olajuwon, Yao Ming. I think they do the same thing. I think they take Evan Mobley. Seven feet, mm. him and Christian Wood is a deadly duo. And then you get John Wall for hopefully another year, uh, a decent John Wall. And this is the Kevin Porter Jr. growth role. And then they just keep developing Jay Sean Tate. And then, you know, they kind of do some things with the bench. In that position, if it does work out the way that I hope it would, they could even go uh, Cade Cunningham. I just think Evan Mobley fits a bit better because Houston's kind of revitalized their entire thing off of high-scoring guards, uh, Sam Cassell and McGrady, <laughs> and big-name centers, Yao Ming, Hakeem Elijah. Did you say Sam Cassell over Kenny the Jet Smith? Sam Cassell was a bucket getter. That's why I, I got know the he, I, I play 2K, but I, I, Kenny the Jet Smith. <laughs> you, can, you, can say, you can say Kenny. You can say any of those 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 guys that just know how to put the ball in the basket. Kevin Porter Jr. fits that role. And if Evan Mobley can become like the Texan, you know, he played at SC, you know, who knows? He could fit perfectly in that role. Christian Wood doesn't have to do everything himself. Cause and I think I think a very underrated part of them is keep Kelly Olinick because he is putting up pretty good stats for yeah, them. It's, it's weird. Yeah, <laughs> Kelly so I, really good for them. And they also have Kenyon Martin Jr. off the bench. They have some pretty strong pieces there. Daniel House loophole. Jr., who we haven't mentioned yet. They got pieces there. I think next year they, they can definitely push that play in. They have a very interesting team because, like you said, they have players that they can build around, and then they also have players that need to go. So I think they should figure out that situation, and I think Evan Mobley is the guy that they should target. Uh, maybe use a little leverage if somebody really wants Cade uh, Cunningham at the number one spot and they do get it. Trade down a little bit. think the Niners but, want to move up to get Mac Jones. Same thing there. Don't, don't say that, man. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not looking forward to Thursday. Oh, man, that's going to be so much fun. <laughs> All right, um... Good segment there. I think we got a lot done there. Uh, look ahead time. Uh, do you have one and you want to go first, or do you want to uh, give me the honors? Why don't you take it, and I'll answer for George and myself. Okay, well, I know George is. <laughs> it's, I'll, I'll say George's. It's Lakers, <laughs> Lakers Wizards on ESPN, 4.30 p.m. on Wednesday. <laughs> um, but mine is uh, the Spurs and Heat matching up. They have a very similar record. Um, both teams, two games over 500, and they play on Wednesday, 5 o'clock. Both teams need they're, – they're not in the same conference. So it doesn't matter for each other, but they both need wins to move from this, this play-in standing. Uh, Spurs trying to get into that top echelon of 7 and 8 um, and kind of avoid having to go on the road and win a game to get in the playoffs. And then uh, the Heat just – they're battling with the Boston Celtics there just because Celtics are on that skid, and they – the door for the 60 is open again. So that's mine there. Oh, man. So this is another repeat of uh, this week's recap because Wednesday's loaded and Thursday looks like a hot steaming pile of garbage. Nobody took the big game. So I guess I will take, take the responsibility. It, yeah, yeah. I don't have where I don't have work tomorrow, so I'll be able to sit home and watch the Clippers and Phoenix Suns, the number two and number three seed. Uh, if they switch, I believe the Clippers will be second if the Clippers win because they'll have more wins than the Suns. I don't remember how that works. I don't know. remember if it's more losses or more wins or less losses. So either way, they'll be tied uh, in terms of win percentage. So this is a very big game for the Clippers. They need this win. Uh, I wonder who will play better, Paul George or Devin Booker. My money is on Paul George, though. Fair enough. Uh, pretty good episode. And look at the time, 2 hours, 47 minutes. Pretty solid so podcast. Um, that's going to do it for tonight's episode, though. Thanks for watching and listening. If you made it to the end of this podcast, even you, Jake, thank you. Um, thank you for sure. Make sure to follow us at TUPers, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, again, until you get a response, as uh, me and Josh never caught lack without our phones. Uh, George is not really a part of the podcast. Not, you know, I'm, I'm messing around. I'm messing around. <laughs> we miss you, George. Get back. Um, don't miss a full week, or uh, I will be upset. But uh, <laughs> other than that, thanks for being an OG, 